there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And we're really lucky to be joined again by Andrew Morantz from The New Yorker, mm-hmm. who's going to help us deconstruct Kanye West's The Life of Pablo. Hey, hey, what's up, guys? Andrew. So good to have you back, man. Yeah. So, Andrew, last time I saw you, you were egging me on to tackle this beast of an album, Kanye's new Life of Pablo. I was. I was egging you on pretty hard. And in fact, if I remember correctly, the analogy I made was Kanye is the Beatles of our moment. Bold choice of words. What I meant by that is Kanye is the thing in pop music right now that it would be irresponsible to ignore. Kanye is the, is the musician who is in the popular realm right now who you are not cultured if you're not paying attention to what he's doing. Okay, so basically you're accusing us of not doing our job if we pass over this essential album. Yeah. There are certain people who are big, big stars who are sort of unmissable, who are important in their own way, but you can kind of miss an album here and there and be okay. Like Rihanna dropped an album recently. You can ignore the Rihanna album and still get what Rihanna is all about, get what she represents in the culture and appreciate her as a singer, as a star, whatever. When Kanye drops an album, that's a moment. You got to stop what you're doing and listen to that album. I find that very persuasive. Well, I have to say, Andrew, I feel like you've just given us this totally Sisyphean task, right? Kanye's body of work is probably only outmatched by the size of his personality, right? And the criticism of him ranges from Kanye, the genius producer on one end, and Kanye, the misogynist media agitator on the other, who's been known for speaking out off cue about issues ranging from George Bush's presidency to Taylor Swift at the VMAs, and more recently about Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Cosby. Totally. And that duality you describe is maybe more explicit on this record, Life of Pablo, than maybe any other Kanye album. You read the reviews of this album, and they run the gamut from the negative, like dead-end hip-hop calling it nothing short of confusing, to the laudatory where the New York Times is so bold as to claim that maybe the unfinished nature of this album is the new finished. And even though we usually try to ignore the personalities and the media hype behind a song or an album, I feel like we have to make an exception here for the enormity of the personality that we're dealing with and look a little bit into his history. Yeah, I think that's a good call. So why don't we proceed like this? Uh, 
First, let's get sort of a crash course on this history of Kanye as a producer, as a media persona. Andrew, our esteemed expert, maybe you can help us out with that. And then with that context, let's focus in on a single track from Life of Pablo that might express some of these themes. And I think it's got to be wolves because the duality of Kanye's personality is all over this one. Okay, first things first, Andrew, this is where we need you. Uh, You are unbelievably knowledgeable about uh, Kanye's entire history. Can you give us and our listeners just like the three-minute Kanye 101? Yeah, well, so Kanye was originally known as a producer, right? And when we say producer in hip-hop and like pop music more generally these days, the producer makes the music. So when Kanye started out his career as like Jay-Z's favorite producer, that meant that he was the guy who made the songs that Jay-Z fans knew as hit. Then, as he got more and more well-known as a producer, he started rapping over his own beats. Those became his solo albums. The first three had a college theme. Oh, She's so self-conscious. She has no idea what she's doing in college. That major that she majored and don't make no money, but she won't drop out of parents and look at He he did his first few albums that were just sonic gold, like dripping with soul samples and like really like fat drums and just like he was like, you know, you want a like danceable hip hop smash? I can do that. And then from there, once he proved he could do that, he departed in all kinds of interesting directions. So then came 808s and Heartbreak, which was a very divisive album. It's like a really sort of minimalist, cold, machine sounding. In the night I hear him talk, the cold story ever told. Somewhere far along this road, he lost his soul to a woman so hard. Then My Beautiful Dark, Twisted Fantasy, which is just an insanely ambitious, amazing album with some just really bizarre, beautiful stuff on it. And then Yeezus, which, you know, a lot of people really couldn't handle. It was like his metal machine music. You know, he he sort, he sort of alienated some people with that. But I think by that point, he just trusted that, like, look, People know that I know how to make music. They, they, they'll either like it or they won't, but they'll at least know that I didn't just like mess up. Like, this is what I'm meant to do. So that brings us to now. Yeah, so now we're at The Life of Pablo, which is his most recent album that we kind of got to watch him make. And it was kind of like, I, I guess, a response to what the album means. Life of Pablo is much more of like a living in public kind of like live streaming of the album process. It's very, he was like very transparent the whole time of who he was working with. He was like constantly tweeting about where his head was at when he was making it, who was in the studio with him while he was making it. He was very transparent about the whole process. He tweeted, the album's going to be called So Help Me God. And then he changed his mind to Swish. And then he changed his mind to Waves. And then (laughs) the whole time he's making the album, you're kind of like in on the process. And then by the time he puts out the album, he's not really putting out the album because he's just using it 
as the background to his fashion show and he's streaming it off his laptop in the middle of Madison Square Garden. And then after that, he like changes the track order and remasters a bunch of stuff and then includes a bunch of songs that he wasn't going to include. And then there's like a title version of the album and a Spotify version. And, you know, I'm sure it'll keep changing. I mean, it's kind of like it's it, it mimics the form of the way music exists on the Internet much more than old albums that were just an object that you can buy in a store that never changes. Beautiful. Andrew, thank you for that clinic in Kanye-ology. That was very informative. Anytime. Cool. And uh, Andrew, why don't you stick around with us and uh, you're welcome to jump in. And if you have anything you'd like to add, please do. We'll check in with you at the end as well to see how we did in our analysis. How about that? Cool. I'm here. Okay. So Charlie and I have done our homework. We are up to speed. We've listened to this song a thousand times, read the think pieces, and I think we are as ready as we can be. Charlie, you ready? Yes, I am ready, and I think we can now use our approach and look specifically at his music. I'm really excited to listen to Wolves and see what it has to say about Kanye's larger project. And uh, for those paying attention, we're listening to the version of Wolves that has just been released on Spotify in April. Let's check it out. Wunderbar. Lost out, beat up, dancing, found it. I found you somewhere about Mount Alnet, right, right there. Nate, what do you hear? The first thing you hear about this piece, which actually makes a lot more sense to me now with this, uh, this idea of sort of the fragmented personality in mind, is that this track is made up of different musical elements that fit together and interlock in constantly changing permutations. What? <laughs> well, there's a word for this that might be a little, uh, a little more facile. In the classical tradition, you'd simply call this counterpoint. Yes, of course. We studied 16th century counterpoint together in college. Basically, it's where lots of different melodies are all playing independently on top of each other. So let's listen to those different elements of Wolves. So the first thing you got here going on is the, it, the very first thing you hear is this bass line, right? Right. And it sounds like this. Bass line. Yeah, meaty, dirty, down, low, incidentally the same bass line as Gary Glitter's Hey. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I, I couldn't get that out of my head when I was listening to it. Maybe it sounds a little bit different when you add the next voice in. Let's hear it. All right. So to differentiate from Gary Glitter's Hey, here is the top voice in counterpoint with the bass. Yeah, that is such a striking melody. That just gets burned into your brain by the end of this song. It's the main hook. And then what's the final element, Chuck? So the final element would be uh, Kanye's voice. And yeah, so with these three, I guess on top, all three on top of each other, you would say that they are in counterpoint 
Precisely. And what is that? Let's hear what that sounds like. Get the, the full stack of these three melodies. So basically throughout the whole song, the bass, this howling wolf synthesizer high part in the middle vocal are constantly interplaying with each other. I guess this is an interesting compositional style, but could you say more like, what does this mean? Why is he doing this? How does it connect with the theme of the wolf? Word. Okay. So first of all, let's back up for a second, because to me, counterpoint and the way that Kanye is using this track is just one of the most incredible things about music. It's something that no other art can do. Because when you're listening to Counterpoint, you are listening to three separate things simultaneously and hearing them individually and together at the same time. Does that blow your mind a little bit? <laughs> yes. Think of it this way. I'm not convinced by your response, but maybe if I, maybe if I phrase it like this, I will be. When you listen to three people talking at the same time, say three different Kanye's all talking at you simultaneously, can you hear what they are all saying at the same time? I miss the old Kanye. I miss the sweet from Kanye. the gold Kanye. Kanye. I invented Kanye. I wasn't looked around and there's so many Kanye's. No, absolutely not. You no, can't understand it. Is it is just a mess of of noise. Right. But if we play three musical melodies at the same time. Somehow you're able to make sense of that mass of sound. You are able to hear all three of those melodies as individual separate melodies and hear how they're interacting with each other in real time simultaneously. Now is your mind blown? I think it's pretty cool. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, it, it, it points out what makes music a different language than spoken language. It's like it can meld in your brain in a way that words can't do. Thank you, gentlemen. And this phenomenon is something that composers have been exploiting since the Middle Ages. Uh, you can't come up with a better example than my man, Johann Sebastian Bach, the undisputed king of counterpoint. I guess that takes us into a little segment we call Classical Masters. Indeed, it does. Yeah, so hit us up with this Bach. So I'd like to propose that, that what Kanye West is doing in Wolves is actually not dissimilar from what Bach would do on a, uh, a hot track like uh, the Canon Perpetuus Super Tema Regium from his musical offering. Sounds fancy. This is a whole set of counterpoints that Bach wrote all on the same theme, a single melody that was given to him by the great King Frederick, who you may not know was uh, also a very accomplished lute player. <laughs> I didn't know that. But, that is, but that's not entirely relevant. What is relevant is how Bach is able to layer three completely separate, intricate melodies on top of one another and have them all make sense. So here is our first melody. This is the melody given to Bach by King Frederick. <laughs> 
and he was essentially challenging Bach. He was like, all right, counterpoint this, Johan. Bach immediately comes back with this line on top of it. Okay, so now you'll hear the original line and the line that Bach adds. That's that violin part on top. So he's come up with this contrapuntal line that stands on its own and fits perfectly with the original. And now he'll add a third. Got that cello. A third line, also standing independently on its own in its, like, you know, complexity, and then constantly working in perfect vertical harmony with the other two lines. And so I think the joy of listening to something like this is kind of the wonder at being able to hear all of these lines separately and hearing how they interlock together. If we go back to Wolves, Kanye is doing the same thing, and I think he's choosing to do so in this track probably because of what we were saying earlier, that this is a way to capture multiple points of view and yet have them all make sense as a kind of coherent whole at the same time. I want to double down on your classical masters and go a little bit further forward in history, but still stay in the classical realm, because I think that there's another interesting reference here. Unprecedented. (laughs) (laughs) So this piece reminds me of the very first music lesson that I ever took. It was like first grade, and we were studying Prokofiev's Peter and the Wolf. This recording is actually from my favorite version, which is narrated by David Bowie. Whoa. This is the story of Peter and the Wolf. Each character in this tale is going to be represented by a different instrument of the orchestra. Right. So you might remember Peter's theme. Um, It's played on the strings. I love Peter and the Wolf. I'm I'm stoked for your breakdown. <laughs> but but no love for my Bach breakdown? Well, I was sorry. I was in a fugue state. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but That was a great music track. Yeah. Nah. Thank you, Andrew. I'll take it. And then, of course, you have the wolf. He is represented by the French horns. He sounds like this. So Prokofiev isn't just using this wolf melody because it sounds cool and it's a nice children's story. Peter and the Wolf is actually an allegory for Russia fighting off foreign powers. And I think we can look at Kanye's track Wolves in much the same way. He's using the wolf as a metaphor. Yeah, take us there. When you ask, like, what is the wolf representing in this song? I think it's really easy to say the wolves are a metaphor for the media and all the people who bother Kanye and his family. Mm. He says at the very end of the song that he's surrounded by these wolves. But I think that that's too easy of an interpretation because if we look at this contrapuntal structure, these multiple melodies coming in and out, they're shape-shifting. I think just like Kanye West is shape-shifting, just as this album is a shape-shifting album, always changing. And so I think there's actually two other ways that we could look at this metaphor of the wolf. I think in Western culture, it takes on two different forms. One is the wolf as the greater evil or inner demon, 
and the other as the warrior and the lone wolf. Right. Okay. So so maybe Kanye, in that case, you could interpret him as talking to himself when he says, you turned out too wild. That's exactly right. Mama knew now how you turned out. I think referencing the erratic agitator Kanye, who speaks out too much and has turned out too wild, as he says. I'll give that interpretation some yeah. support in the song Black Skinhead. He he says, I'm aware I'm a wolf, which is like a little werewolf pun, but it's definitely tying himself to that image. I'm aware I'm a wolf. Soon as the moon hit, I'm aware I'm a king. Perfect. All right. Thank you for the uh, triangulation. <laughs> And I think that's the thing that always makes Kanye so challenging is how much he is or is not aware of the other darker sides of his personality. Kanye, the misogynist, Kanye, the person who confronts nasty stuff in the media and has caused many stirs. Um, Kanye, the sometimes erratic lyricist. And I think in this song we hear it. I know that, uh, Andrew, you pointed me to your favorite or maybe least favorite lyric from this album. Oh, yeah. What there are. There are so many. um lines that fall flat on this album what was the what was the one on this one so this one is you tried to play nice everybody just took advantage you left your fridge open somebody just took a sandwich to play nice everybody just took advantage you left your fridge open somebody just took a sandwich I said, yeah yeah it's like come on dude you don't need it's like it's like it's like taking that william carlos williams poem and just ruining it <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to throw need a sandwich the... in there <laughs> I, I just feel like, you know, this continues my Beatles analogy, right? It's like, how many lines of Paul's lyrics have you just, like, rolled your eyes at and been like, all right, I'll forgive you. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Let's go for a drive. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Let's go there and back again. It can be true, though. I know that, uh, that Nate is a strong Paul defender, so watch out. Me too, but, like, that's just part of who, that's just part of it. I mean, you know. That's just part of I know, the I actually know the I know the exact number. It's fifty seven percent. I have a spreadsheet. So <laughs> Yeah. Someone's gotta keep track. Let, let's go back to the metaphor of the wolf. And here he could be referencing this sort of biblical idea of the wolf. In Matthew seven fifteen, it says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Ah. So I think here we we are getting Kanye as the wolf. Kanye as his inner demons. Right. Okay. So then going to the other side, because this is a nice bridge, because there is a lot of overt religious imagery on this track and on this album in right. general. Um, and that and that leads to maybe another interpretation of the wolf in this song. Give it to me. Uh, why don't you give it to me, Jordan? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Looks like someone did more of their homework than the other. I'm more used to giving homework than getting homework <laughs> at this point. The other way that I see this song is the wolf representing the warrior. In the Norse tradition, the wolf is the warrior or or Odin. Um, we also, in the Western world, talk about the lone wolf, one who has taken their own path. And I think we all know Kanye as the self-aggrandizing and truly genius producer. And I think that that persona of Kanye is represented equally as well in this song if in the beginning, in that first verse, when we first hear those wolf howls and we hear the darker side of Kanye. Lost out, beat up, 
I think that they take on another meaning in the following verses. The first is actually when we hear the bridge come in. And we get some other mythological language here. Vic Mensa, who's singing the bridge, sings the Icarus story. Don't fly too high, your wings might melt alluding to Kanye's ascent as well as the perpetual ascent and descent that he goes through. At the same time, the bass line takes a change. That first voice that we heard in Counterpoint starts to ascend up. Giving us a hint that there's actually transformation happening. And what's neat is that that bass line comes in and later on, Kanye starts the third verse, which is actually a verse, using that bridge bass line, but with the original wolf melody that we heard at the beginning. You gotta let me know if I could be your Joseph. Only tell you real, that's the Tino sit, don't you? And for me, this is sort of saying that we can hear that wolf melody in a new context, in an ascending context rather than the original descending bass line. And as he sings about this in this new space, he eventually modulates the whole song up a fourth, taking all the chords higher. This is where he makes the metaphor that he's made over and over and over again, evoking that he is a god, Kanye as Jesus. He begins to talk about himself as Joseph, his wife Mary, and his children, the saviors, needing protection from the wolves. What if Mary was in the club, but she met Joseph with no love? Cover saint and lamb's wool. We surrounded by surrounded by wolves. So as I hear it, we've gone from uh, original melody with descending bass line as dark Kanye as his inner demons, and as the song evolves, the ascending bass line transforming the sense of the melody and 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 bringing in a sense of godlike Kanye, the Jesus Kanye. Whoa, Charlie, I love that. You just ascended to another state yourself. You just went, <laughs> you just went uh, Jesus on us. Um, I don't question the ridiculousness. I do support your theory, and I I would just reiterate that this, you know, the 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 use of counterpoint in this song uh, becomes even more understandable with in 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 your interpretation because. Now, depending on how you put these different melodies together and how they in- interlock against the lyrics of the song, it offers these different interpretations of the song's central metaphor of the wolf, which is very cool. So overall, the way that I'm hearing this song, that the compositional structure using counterpoint and the metaphor of the wolf is used to represent Kanye the shapeshifter, just as this album is unfinished and always breathing and always moving and changing and the content on it is so varied and almost erratic i think that this song captures that whole feeling in its structure what's your take what do you think have we done it yeah i mean i'm i'm into it i i think all those things are in play i like your uh your three themes, just like the three counterpoint melodies of the song, they can all sort of play off each other. Whoa, okay, that's a relief. <laughs> so 
We will take a short break, and when we come back, we will continue our exploration of musical wolves with a, a game. I, I'm down for any game you've got. <laughs> Featuring other famous musical animals. Stay tuned. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. So I was hanging out with my baby cousin this last weekend, and that meant we were playing a lot of this animal says that sound game, you know, like the cow says moo, so on and whatnot. So I'm familiar with the concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've heard about it? You've yeah. heard about that one? It's a, it's a good game. Well, I thought we could adapt this um, with a little bit more of a pop conscious to it. So I've put together a list of six songs by major artists that use animal sounds somehow in their composition. And I want to see, Andrew, if you can name the artist, the song, and the animal. You get a point for each. And they're going to be in increasing difficulty. Uh-oh. All right. This is going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think you'll be okay on the first couple ones. Let's, uh, let's okay. give it a try. See, now if I flub one of the first ones, it's like game over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Track one. I just found my tempo like uh-huh. DJ Mustard. This is Drake and Future. Jumpman. But I'm trying to... Figure like is that like a uh, like rooster in the background or a chicken or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's a crow, but you got it in the bird family, so I'll give you three points for this one. Oh, all right, well, yeah. I'll take it, but slightly more ominous than uh, yeah. Than, I mean, I was like, how are they going to justify it? <laughs> a chicken sound. <laughs> crow makes a lot more sense. Okay. We're going a little bit further back uh, in the history of pop music, but I, I think you might know this track as well. Yeah, this is Missy. And it's going to be an elephant. Yeah. Well, okay, you got it. Missy Elliott, work, work it. We got it, the yeah. elephant. Three for three. Next track. Major artist, maybe a bit of a B-side. This is the zoo by R. Kelly. I was waiting for this one. Oh my god! I thought that was gonna be the first one right out the gate. <laughs> wow, that was like after the first bass hit, he was there. After the first, oh, 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 ah, ah, ah. 
Which animals would you uh, like to choose? Well, that was an orangutan, <laughs> I guess, or like a monkey. Um, <laughs> Some kind of monkey. You could yeah. kind of pick pretty much any animal. R. Kelly can find a way to sexify it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Three for three. We're going to keep on going. And this one might be a little bit more obscure, but I, I think you might at least know the artist here. Oh, yeah. I do not know what that is. Um, I heard some <laughs> dog sounds. Yeah, well, I, I do not. That, that does not ring a bell. I also have no idea what this is. Oh, I'm so glad I, have, I found one to stump you. Um, this is Justin Timberlake's Gimme What I Don't Know. And for animals, monkey, lion, birds, or elephant would have also Wow, placed. wait, what album is that? That is off of uh, 2020. Wow, okay, yeah, I did not make it to the end of that album. Apparently not. <laughs> yeah. Deep cut. All right, we'll play it, Harding. <laughs> and we're going to go um, into the DJ world. This is, a, this is a big name, maybe not a big song. Okay, so... Um, Let me know if you want to uh, phone a friend or uh, get a little help. Well, I mean, this is really pointing out to me how much these guys sound alike. Because, um, <laughs> like, that could plausibly be a lot of people. This DJ has an animal in their name. Yes! <laughs> oh, DJ Snake. Because it sounds like that thing, the, the Turn Down For What guy. That's the same guy, right? Exactly. Okay. Turn Down For What! And I'll, I'll give you another hint. The name of the song, also the name of the animal. Okay, so it's DJ Snake, but it's... Um, also the name of a famous Grateful Dead song. So, yeah, so it's got to be Dark Star. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's name, it's Bird Song. Bird Song, okay. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see that. I assume you heard the birds on it, so uh, I heard we'll, the birds. We'll, but I was trying to be—I was trying to be more specific this time. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like that. I feel like that has a nice, you know, I could see them playing that like in the at, at the Bronx Zoo or something. <laughs> I love oh, it. like you yeah. were, you you wanted to to know whether it was a Panamanian. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to uh, do like the whippoorwill brink yeah. dove. Yeah, great. So we'll give you uh, two points for uh, DJ Snake's bird song. I've uh, this one might be trickier. So for our final song. It's one of my absolute favorite songs with animals on it. I'll give you just a, a, a little taste of it. That's all you get. <laughs> Is it like from some like Pink Floyd, like, you know, movie in a album, like The Wall or something? Yes, I cannot believe it. You got the artist. Can you name the song? <laughs> I I I don't know. I I am having like all kinds of Wizard of Oz associations in my brain, <laughs> but I have no idea what this corresponds to. The song is called "Several Species of Small Furry Animals Gathered Together in a Cave <laughs> and Grooving with a Pict." Yeah. See, this is why people think Pink Floyd is pretentious. <laughs> exactly. So, any guess of animals? <laughs> a uh uh you know. A bird? That was a bird, right? I'm sorry, I cannot give you any points for a bird. In fact, <laughs> all of the sounds were made by human voices using tape echoes and delays Whoa. and reverbs to make it sound like animals. Dude. Sorry to stump you there. My mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Uh, 
Let's see. Can I can I do addition? You you were awarding points way too generously. <laughs> I uh, I tallied it up, and uh, I'm I'm happy to announce that Andrew won. He won. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it was a lot of fun playing name that animal with you. Yes. And so much fun discussing the life of Pablo. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us on Switched On Pop. Thank you, guys. This was great. Wonderful. Thanks, too, to everyone out there on Twitter who helped us put this episode together. There'll be a Spotify playlist of music with animal sounds in it awaiting you uh, on our website. What's our website, Nate? That would be www.switchedonpop.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at switchedonpop, and we would love it if you would leave us a review on iTunes. This piece was produced by the two of us, Nate and Charlie. Our design was done by Luke Harris, and we got additional support from Susan, Pergo, and Mike. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, thanks for listening. Cheers. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. (laughs) But they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.